This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Again, good to see all of you. Praise the Lord. Glad you made it out on a Wednesday night. I think it's important you come out and praise God on a Wednesday night. I'm, I'm already blessed to be here. To honor the Lord. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand, get your hand up real high. Once you get a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Mark chapter 4. and give you an opportunity to do your tithes and offerings. Again, they're in these boxes or you can give online. There's all kinds of ways you can do it. Again, we're going to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read, and this, this passage here is called the, the parable of the sower. Now, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm going to dive into two verses. Begin with me in verse 18. This is the Lord Jesus, and he said, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. Those are the ones who hear the word. They hear the scriptures. They hear the Bible. Very important we hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things. Now I'm just going to stop right there because all three of these things that he mentioned, these try to fill a place in your heart that only God can fill. And so watch what happens when I start being led or dictated by these. And the desires for other things, they enter in, they choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to highlight the part that he talks about, the deceitfulness of riches. When we talk about the deceitfulness of riches, wealth can't deliver to me or you uh, the, the meaning of life or joy. And when you see the word right there, deceit or deceitfulness of riches, something that deceitful, it's a lie. That's what deceit is. It's a lie. And the lie behind this is we begin to think that significance and security come from having money and nice things. Every one of us have been there before where we've had this thought. But that's not not what happens. And so again, when we talk about this, I've got to get to a place in my life where I do it God's way. Man, if I'll do it God's way, God will bless you incredibly. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to read these five different quotes. And after each quote, I'm going to tell you who said this. And this is an incredible teaching part right here. The first one, the guy said, I have made many millions, but they have not brought me the happiness. The person who said that is John Rockefeller, the founder of the Standard Oil, the richest person in history. The next one, the care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There's no pleasure in it. W.H. Vanderbilt, the railroad tycoon, the world's richest man in 1877. The third one, I am the most miserable man on earth. John Jacob Astore, America's first multimillionaire. The fourth one. I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. Henry Ford, founder of Ford Motor Company. The last one. Millionaires seldom smile. Andrew Carnegie, industrial, an industrialist, the second richest man in history. So many of you will remember this. Years ago, there was a bumper sticker that said, he who gets the most or has the most toys, he wins. That's a lie, okay? That's a flat-out tale. 
And so I find in my own life that I can try to do it my way. And man, it just gets me in more trouble, more heartache and more pain. But when I learn to start doing it God's way, man, God's not against you being blessed. But something happens when I say, Father God, I'm going to honor you. So don't let the deceitfulness of riches pull you off track because it will. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to give. And Lord, just, just grace us to see what your word says in the area of giving. And we give you glory and honor for being the God that said, I'll supply all your need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm delighted that you came out. Be sure and check your bulletin with a lot of things. One thing I want to highlight again, the faith closet is open. Be sure and get your kids after the service. We, we have a celebrate Christmas that'll be Sunday 9 and 11, then again next Wednesday night at 7. Uh, this is a big one that we, we always pray on Tuesday nights. And so we'll pray again next Tuesday night. But the following week, uh, the Tuesday night prayer falls on Christmas Eve. So if you're going to come to pray, we're going to pray on Monday night, the 23rd at 7. Okay? If you come on Tuesday night, the 24th, the Lord bless you. Because I won't be here, okay? So just a reminder. All right, if you got your Bible, go with me in the back to 1 John. Way back there in the back, 1 John chapter 2. Now, I'm going to ultimately get to the book of Ruth. So if you want to head that way too, we'll go 1 John 1 and then we'll go to the book of Ruth, the end of chapter 1. As you're turning there to, to 1 John chapter 2, you probably begin to find this out. The longer you serve God... To follow God, to serve God, to live for God, it can be difficult. And the Lord Jesus got over on that in, in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. And he talked about this narrow road. And he said, the narrow road is the road that leads to life. But it's difficult. And there are only a few who want it. So what you begin to find out... Sometimes in this thing called life, not only is it difficult, sometimes it's lonely. Sometimes it feels like you're, you're, you're swimming upstream. But let me tell you again, you don't want to quit on the things of God. And you don't want to go back to your past. You want to stay with it. You know, I, I got born again just, just before I was 20 years old. I've stayed with the things of God and it's been incredible. I don't want you to think I hadn't had issues and things I got to deal with. But man, the longer I serve God, oh my gosh, it's wonderful. And so we're going to talk about this tonight. And so we start here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour or the end of this age. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. And so when you see the antichrist, it's always deceitful, destructive, and divisive. We're seeing those things. Verse 19. They went out from among us. Talking about certain believers. They withdrew from the church, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us... They would have continued with us. We got to stay with it. We got to continue. But they went out that they may be made manifest that none of them were of us. 
And so these believers, they withdrew on their own accord. That's why you got to stay with it. Father God, grace me to stay with it. I'm going to put a good scripture in you tonight. Verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing from the Holy One. The Amplified says it this way. You hold a sacred appointment. The, the Passion Translation says, but the Holy One has anointed you. And he ends this and says, and you know all things. You've been given unction. You know the truth or you have the capacity to live by the truth. And so I, I want this to stick with you tonight. You have a sacred appointment from God. You have been anointed from the Holy One. And so, man, when I read that right there, it stirs within me. God has a sacred appointment for you. Now, go all the way, way back into the Old Testament to the book of Ruth. Uh, maybe help you. It's right before 1 Samuel. Go to Ruth chapter 1. Now, we've been on the, the passage or this book of Ruth. And as you're turning to the book of Ruth, let me, let me highlight some things. Remember... Ruth was a woman from a nation called Moab, a very ungodly nation. And her future husband came from Bethlehem. He was Jewish. And if you remember the story, she married him, and not long after that, he dies. And her mother-in-law had lost two sons and a husband, and so she says, we've, we've got to go back to Bethlehem. And this woman named Ruth she said, I'm, I'm going to go with you, and where you go, I'll go, and where you lodge, I'll lodge, and your people will be my people. And she said, and your God will be my God. I got an anointing from God. I got a sacred appointment from God. And so the commitment from this woman named Ruth wasn't just an emotion. The commitment was rooted in her understanding, your God will be my God. Something happened in this woman that she saw the true and the living God. So we start here in Ruth chapter 1, verse 22. I believe this is going to help us. So Naomi returned, that was the mother-in-law, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now I want to highlight something here. Something happens in life when we get around the right people, the right plan, and the right place at the right time. I believe it's what we better define as just, it's an internal compass. And every one of us, it's very important, the right people, the right plan, the right time. And you find out that in this thing called life, it's a never-ending cycle of decisions. How many find that out? Day by day by day, I, I've got to make in, uh, incredible decisions, and so do you. But something happens when I hang out with God, and it's very important the decisions I make. They're based on the things of God because one bad decision can alter the entire direction or the destiny of my life. But when I get around right people and the right place and the right plan, 
at the right time, God moves. And the reason I highlight that is this is what happened to this woman named Ruth. Now, the book of Ruth is a story of redemption, but also of restoration. I believe that pertains to every one of us in here. Every one of us need to be restored. Every one of us need to be redeemed. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, I'm telling you, you get excited about this. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So I start digging about this guy named Boaz who has great wealth. And the great wealth he had wasn't just economic prosperity. He had incredible social standing. You know how you get incredible social standing? You learn to do life with people. And they see your heart. And so he not only had great wealth, he was viewed in the eyes of people as, that's a man of God. That doesn't just happen. It's the way I choose to live. And so it begins to highlight Boaz. Verse 2. So Ruth the Moabitess, she said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain. Now, when I read this here, this woman named Ruth had pure motives. She didn't have the thought, you know what, I'm going to marry me a rich Jew and it's going to be smooth sailing forever. <laughs> that, that wasn't her agenda or that wasn't her secret agenda. But if you look at something here, she says, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain. To glean heads of grain, it literally meant to pick up the leftover grain. So when you see the word gleaning, the word gleaning means W-O-R-K. She was going to work. And if you study gleaning, you can find it in Leviticus 19. But when you study gleaning, it was the nation of Israel. It was their welfare system. And if you think about gleaning, if you would look at a field in a square, they would harvest the circle inside that square. All the corners, they were left for the poor. Now, they weren't picked up for the poor. If the poor wanted it, they had to go out and get it. And so here's this woman named Ruth who's a Mobite, and she says, I want to go glean. She wasn't looking for a handout. She didn't have a victim mentality. It wasn't you owe me. She said, I want to go out and glean. Now, here's the interesting thing about gleaning. I got the privilege of going to Israel back in, in March of this year. And the gleaning practice is still in existence. Still happens to this day. Now, one day, the group I was with, we went and gleaned. And it, it was incredible. It was in the, in the Jordan Valley. It was the richest soil I've ever been a part of. I, I couldn't believe how much moisture was in it. And that day, we were picking what I call turnips. They called them Colorado or Colorado. I called them turnips. But it was, it was a blessing, and it was for a food ministry there called Laquette. And so the, the gleaning that we did that day, it went to feed the uh, poverty-stricken elderly of Israel. They say 30% of all the elderly in Israel are live below the poverty line. 
And so again, when I look at what she does here, the blessings for me and you that we desire are dependent on our last act of obedience. Let me say that again. The blessings you and me desire are dependent on our last act of obedience. In other words, don't expect to get blessed by luck or by chance. Man, God will do what he says. And so this woman named Ruth says, I want to glean. And in verse 2, she goes on to say, that I may find favor. Her desire to go to work, she said, I I need to find favor. I need to find kindness. Favor opens the door. The grace of God is what keeps the door open. Favor will get you in. But the grace keeps it going. And her prayer was that I may find favor. So when I see her say this, and God's not against me and you asking him for a favor. Psalm 512, God blesses his righteous and his favor surrounds me like a shield. I encourage you, pray that. I encourage you, let that be your expectation. Verse 3, then she left and went and she gleaned in the field after the reapers. Wow. Now, when I look at this, that she went to the field and actually gleaned, This was Ruth's first assignment when she got to Bethlehem. It ties us to the parable of of the, the sower, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. The Lord Jesus said this, if you're not faithful in the little, you'll never get to the much. Now this is a learning lesson for us right here. I've got to learn to be faithful with the little. So when it says here that she went and gleaned, I look at this and, and, and she focused on the assignment. She, she focused on the opportunity. Again, I look at when she said that I may find favor and she goes to the field to glean. She literally is going to the right place. And what you'll begin to see here, the right place, the right people, and the right plan Man, I get on God's right timing, and this is what happens to every one of us. And so this is where Ruth's at right now. So it goes on to say, she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. She happened to come to part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Elimelech. Verse 4. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, he said to the workers, He said to these laborers, now this is incredible what he says to them because these guys are working for him, but he's very sensitive to their needs. And I believe this shows you why it said what it did about Boaz in verse 1. Look what he speaks over them. He says, the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. That was his prayer. And when these reapers, these laborers heard that, look at their response back to him. And those reapers answered him and said, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Now, I read this and I think, is my life always about me? Is my focus always about me? And it's interesting that 
Boaz was concerned about those workers and he said, the Lord, the Lord be with you. And their reply back to him was, the Lord bless you. And so this was a custom that is still practiced in Israel to this day. The Lord bless you. I believe it's important that, man, when we get around people, tell them, God bless you. God bless you. I, I love to do that at Walmart after the, the Lord has put me through a time of testing and patience. I, I, lo- I love to look at the little checkers and saying, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Keep reading. Then Boaz said to his servants, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Now what you begin to see happen is the favor of God. I'm going to go back to to Luke 2.52. And the Bible says this about the Lord Jesus. How the Lord Jesus increased in wisdom and favor with God and with people. This is exactly what's happening with Ruth. That this man named Boaz, he takes notice of her. And I believe part of it was because of her beauty. But I think the greatest thing that got his attention, what what was really on display was her work ethic, her character, and her humility right here. And he says, whose is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Now, I want to highlight something in this that's very important. This guy says, this is the Moabite woman. As a Moabite, this was her identity This was her background. And so what goes on here that when this guy brings up that her identity was that of a Moabite, it tries to tie her to her past. Let me ask you off of those those lines right there. Are there things in your life that tries to tie you to your past that becomes your identity? Well, he was a drunk. He was a druggie. He was a liar. Well, let me tell you, just because you lied doesn't mean you're a liar. So what begins to happen is oftentimes the things of our past tries to hold us this, in, in that place. And, and this guy specifically says, she is a, a Mobite. In other words, she is a Gentile. She is from a heathen nation. A nation. But let me highlight this too. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter your color skin. What you'll see take place with this, it didn't disqualify her from the favor of God. And I don't care what's going on in your life. It won't disqualify you either. Well, pastor, you don't know my past. Well, you don't know my past. We begin to see the past of this woman. And I believe specifically highlights she was a Moab to help us. Keep reading. It is the young woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean And gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning to now. Though she rested a little in the house. 
So what I begin to see right here in, in this passage here, when you go into a field and you glean, it could be viewed as very degrading. It would mark you. And you know how it would mark you? Everybody knew right there when you came on that field to glean, you're poor. You don't have nothing. Or you wouldn't be out here doing it. And so a lot of times in situations like this, is this the way that God knocks all the pride out of us? Is, is this the way that God tests our character? Is this the way that it looks and says, you know what? I'm, I'm not above that. And God begins to notice what we do. But understand this, for every one of us in here, there's always a starting point. Always a starting point. i got to start. It's the same with salvation. There's a starting point when we get born again. But God wants us to continue. And so even with this woman, pride didn't stop her. She said, I have a need and this is what I'm called to do. This is my assignment. Verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen to me, my daughter. Will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. You know what you begin to see here? All the fields aren't the same. And what he's telling her is his his sincere concern, not only for her provision, but for her protection. Now, what many liken Boaz to is like the Lord Jesus. And this was a woman who, remember, in in chapter 1 said, your God will be my God. And so when you come under the, the jurisdiction that Jesus is Lord of your life, you go to his field. And you stay in Jesus' field. And Jesus will continue to take care of you as long as you look to him. And this is what Boaz was telling her. Verse number 9. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young man not to touch you? Now, when he says this, I begin to think, Why did he say that? He's promising Ruth immunity to the senseless, the rude actions and the remarks of these men. But I begin to look at it at other translations. And and the Amplified says, not to touch you or molest you. And so right here, Boaz is reassuring her of protection. Now, when you're in the right place, there's protection. There's always a right place and a wrong place. The wrong place is a place where you you go, but you shouldn't go. It's where your Christian values or your Christian morals are compromised. You get over to an area of sin. But as long as I stay in the right place, there's protection. Here's a couple of thoughts for you on that. I remember there was a guy and he was struggling in some areas of his life. And his wife said to me one day in a counseling session, 
One of the things he does that really irritates me, he goes to eat lunch at Hooters. I kind of had this look like I have right now. And I looked at him and I said, is that true? And he said, the food's good. I didn't say this, I thought this, you're not even a good liar. But I went on and thought, and then I said, see, that's the problem. You've compromised in that area. And anytime we compromise, we lose the protection of God. As long as I stay in God's fields, and I look to God, God will take care of me. God will bless you, he'll protect you. Here's another good one the Lord brought to my heart. Oftentimes when, when we go to movies, we compromise our conviction. And what I mean by that, we, we, we watch stuff that we shouldn't watch. And so a rule of the thumb that I have to ask myself is this. If Jesus wouldn't, I shouldn't. And let me explain that. When I go watch a movie... Next time you think that it's okay and everything's all right, just ask Jesus to go along with you. And ask Jesus to sit in the seat next to you. And then you can nudge Jesus and say, hey, don't, don't let this affect you, Jesus. They're going to use your father's name in vain. They're going to damn your father. But it's just a movie. It's okay. And they're going to show some sexual scenes. They're going to show some nudity. But Jesus, you know, skin is in. It's okay. And see, I believe this is what Boaz was saying to Ruth. Don't lose the protection from being under the hand of God or the blessing of God because you've gone to the wrong field. And so when I look at this, so much of what happens in our life, it pertains to every one of us. If we'll read into it. Verse 10. So she fell, fat, fell on her face and bowed to the ground. Again, this, this is uh, uh, like Jesus is to us. And when I see that she bows to the ground with her face there, it shows humility. It shows how humble she was, how honored she was, how appreciative she was. And she bowed to the ground and she said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. Why have I found favor? Why have I found the unearned blessings, the kindness of God? And the reason for that is God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care your past. And when I read the story of Ruth, you talking about someone that had a lot of strikes against her, she's a woman. She's a Gentile woman from Moab. She's a widow. She specifically says here she's a foreigner. And oftentimes, this is what begins to get us. You don't know how many strikes I have against me, but I want to highlight again. It doesn't matter what's taken place in your past. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you're born on. God's no respecter of persons. God wants to bless you. And when you get to a place where you say, 
Father God, I'm going to honor you. I bow before you. The favor of God showed up. And it's interesting, her words right here, she specifically says, why have I found favor in your eyes? Here's your good verse to write down. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. God's eyes go to and fro across the earth. Looking to show himself strong on behalf of those hearts who are loyal to him. Could that be why? Ruth found favor in his eyes. He saw her loyalty. Now I want you to think about this right now. The God who created everything. He scans the earth. Looking to show himself strong. I said, Lord, grace me to be committed to you. Grace me to be an all-in Christian. Grace me to live for you all the days of her life. And so when she says this, look at Boaz's answer in verse 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of of, of your husband. And how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people who you did not know. Now what I want you to see right here, guess what got Boaz's attention right here? When you look upon the needs of other people, God takes notice. What you make happen for other people, God will make happen for you. And so he says some incredible things there to her. I've seen how you've been committed to your mother-in-law. You specifically said, I'm going to take care of her. I'll glean if I have to. But then he brings up something from her past. See, many times when we serve God, not only do we leave that past life, sometimes we leave our family. Sometimes we leave our city. Sometimes we leave the things that we're familiar with. That's why I believe at times it says this narrow road is difficult. But this woman named Ruth, it didn't keep her from living for God. And so when you go back and look at whatever thing I said, the right people, the right plan, the right place at just the right time, God begins to move. And God has an eternal compass for every one of us. God loves to order our steps. He loves to direct us. Verse 12. The Lord repay your work. I don't know if you got there. The Lord repay your work. This is what Boaz said to her. Boaz didn't say, I'm going to repay your work. He said, the Lord will repay your work. In other words, God sees. He sees what you're doing. When you sow good seed in it, God sees. And he says here, the Lord will repay you. And it will be a full reward given to you by the Lord God of Israel. Not a half reward, not a a, a partial reward, but a full reward. And, And twice he mentions the Lord and he specifically mentions the Lord God of Israel. Yahweh, the great Jehovah. 
And this man named Boaz, he knew because God had blessed him all his life. And he's reassuring her, God sees, God sees. Don't quit. God sees what you're doing. God sees when you're committed. God sees you when you get back up. And he ends verse 12 and he says, Under whose wings you have come for refuge. Do you know right here, Boaz literally speaks a prophetic blessing. And what he just spoke over her is Psalms 91.4 that says, Under his wings, you'll take refuge. God's a God of refuge. God wants to bless every one of us. And so I look at the story of Ruth. Many people come for a blessing Ruth came to be a blessing. And if you'll remember the covenant promises that God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12, he said, Abe, I want to bless you. I want to multiply you. I want to make your name great. And I've blessed you to be a blessing. And I believe this is what the Lord was doing right here in this woman named Ruth, that she consistently lived out the qualities that God desired her to do. And so when you begin to read this, Ruth was leaving a legacy and building a legacy at the same time. Let me ask you, what type of legacy are you leaving right now? What are you doing to have the things of God impacted in your life, but also for your future generations? Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little sneak that what goes on. Later on, this guy named Boaz marries Ruth. And they have a child named Obed. And Obed has a son named Jesse the Bethlehemite. And Jesse the Bethlehemite has a son named King David. And you can look at all that lineage in Matthew chapter 1 that the bloodline of our Lord Jesus Christ comes from a woman from Moab. And when I read that, you're talking about passion that rises within me. God still has destiny for every one of us. I don't care what the titles are that bind you. When you get to this place where you start for Jesus and you say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care if I got to glean. I don't care if they bring up my past. I know who I am in Christ Jesus because of what you've done for me. And so this woman right here that this lineage goes through is the same God that me and you serve. And I believe there's some of you in here, you need to dream big. You need to think big. You need to start praying big. And it goes back that this woman said, first, I need to find favor in his eyes. And then she ultimately said, why did I find favor? You know what the favor of God does for you? It opens doors that man can't open. And the favor of God brings blessings that man can't bless me with. And the favor of God begins to put you in places in your life where people look and say, what happened to you? I love when people say that, what happened to you? I love when people say, 
it freaks me out what you do for a living. And I smile and says, it freaks me out too. (laughs) And the reason I say that is God will use us. God will use you. He doesn't look for ability. He looks for availability. And the troubles that we experience in life will do one or two things. They'll leave you bitter or you'll become better. And if they leave you bitter, you become a habitual complainer. But when they leave you better, your life is marked by Jesus and you start becoming conformed to Jesus and you start saying, you know what? I can be what the Bible says I can be. I can have what the Bible says I can have and I can do what the Bible says I can do. All because your God is my God. Would you stand on your feet tonight? I love that story because I don't care who we are in here. Every one of us need restoration. Every one of us need redemption. This is us right here. I encourage you, read it. It's, it's just four chapters and just really begin to take this in and begin to look at that and think, man, our, our God is, he's very compassionate. And he's very patient. And he's extremely merciful and extremely gracious. His grace is incredible to me. Let me share this just real briefly and I'm going to let you go. I was at the hospital today. A lady here in the church. And some of the reports hadn't been real good. And I was so blessed because there was, there was really nobody there. I, I wanted to go in there where it was just, just me and her. And before I walked in, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I believe you're the God of miracles. You're the God that heals. And I said, Lord, any of the things I've done in my life that hadn't been good, Don't use those to cause her not to walk in the healing that you've already provided. And it moved me to thank. Father God, in my shortcomings, in my imperfections, you would still grace me to lay hands on her. And that's what I want you to see again. It's it's all the grace of God. It's the grace of God. And I looked at her and I said, tell me out of your mouth, do you want to live? She said, I want to live faster. And I said, I know the God who brings life. And I said, I'm not here to pray courtesy prayers. I said, I'm going to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. Let, let, let me just share the, the, this real quick too. This, this, this moves me about just how honoring people can be. I saw her about three weeks ago. She could barely open her eyes. And she was very aware when me and Shelly were there. And so today I walk up and there she's pushing a wheelchair. And she gets from me to about Paul and she stops. And she looks at me and her eyes are open. And she looks at the little nurse and goes, That's my pastor. 
I got a Moab past. God will use you. And after I prayed for her, laid hands on her, she went. And I got real close and she goes, I love you. She just shrinks you. Just shrinks you. Would you bow your head here? Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you. You're the God of second chances. You're the God who still takes messes and makes miracles. Lord, you're the God who looks at every one of us that have been identified by things in our past. And right now we thank you because of the blood of Jesus. Our past has been washed. And Lord, you put your heart within us that we're more than conquerors, we're overcomers. Lord, I pray your blessing in here right now, your favor, that ones who've doubted themselves, ones who've said or thought, God could never use me. There's some of you in here that said, I... I could, be a ne- I could never be a good mama. I could never be a good wife. I could never be a good daddy and a good husband. That's a lie. There's some of you that says, since a child I was spoken, I'm a failure. Some of you have been saying, man, my whole life has been marked by anger. My whole life has been marked like this and this and this and this. Why don't you raise your hand if that defines you in any of those areas. It's probably ever one of us. But if you feel comfortable, Father God, you see our hands going up all over here. And Lord, we ask the same favor that you showed Ruth. The same mercy and grace that it arrives in here. And then it shows up in here. And Lord, grace us to say boldly, you're our God. And Lord, you said you have an anointing. You have a, a sacred appointment for every one of us in here. And we speak that in here right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to dismiss you. I know you need to go, but, you know, I, I welcome you. If you need prayer, say, Pastor, come down here and lay hands on me. I'm going to tell you right now, there's something within me, a passion. There's a stern within me. God says lay hands on the sick. I, I believe that, and so I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that in motion, and you're dismissed. I'm, I'm moving in that, guys, right now. I'm, I believe he's the God of miracle. I'm not backing off on the, any of that. And so, again, there's, there's a passion within me. But if you would like prayer, we'll have different ones or a prayer team down here. If, you, if you've, been, you've been damned up in life because of, of identities, identity crisis, then we'll lay hands on you, okay? God will set you free tonight. Well, bless all of you. Have a good evening. Be blessed, the favor of God upon you, the kingdom of God upon you, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.